Welcome to the Generous Business Owner Podcast, where business owners gain inspiration and encouragement to live a legacy, not just leave one. And now your hosts, Jeff Thomas, Alan Barnhart, and Jeff Rutt. Welcome, everybody, to this week's Generous Business Owner Podcast. My name is Jeff Thomas, and we have a very special guest with us this week, Jim Lynch, who is the owner of JPL Cares. Welcome to the program, Jim. Hey, thanks, Jeff. Thanks for having me today. Well, we met through our buddy Gunner at uh, Youth for Christ and had a lot of fun smoking a cigar out under the stars and just such a good group of people. And and we were just chatting before we started recording what a joy it is to get back together and share your story. And, and Jim, as you know, we always try to start with just where you grew up, what was your family like, what was life like for Jim Lynch growing up? Well, I mean, I was a Navy brat to start, born in Pensacola, Florida on the naval base there. And after a few years in Pensacola, moved to Miami. My dad got a job with Delta Airlines. And so I didn't see a lot of him, but it was a cool job. And I got to travel around as a youngster. By the time we were, I think my folks were married seven, eight years. So that would have put me at seven years old. There was a divorce and my mom moved me to Naples, Florida, which basically is directly across from Miami Okay, and didn't see much of my mom or my dad at that point. And shortly thereafter, she was married to my stepfather. We moved to Grand Junction, Colorado. So there's a little bit of culture shock there. That's a big going move. From the, going from the sun and the beach to the mountains. It's a little, you know, usually people are one or the other. You're like a beach yeah. person or a mountains person, right? Right. Well, I'd learned at that point, you know, at that point, now I, now I want to be one of those winter folks that goes to Florida. Yeah, right. To Colorado in the summer. But at any rate, it was a bit of culture shock and getting there, I, I started seeing my dad about a month out of the year, you know, on, on major holidays. And there was a holy pain there for a long time. Mm. So there was a lot of trying to cover the pain with, you know, if you fast forward a lot of years, not knowing who I was in Christ at that point. Try to trying to fill that void with chasing girls, chasing drugs, chasing things that end up forcing this thick head of mine up against a whole lot of brick walls. Until which time, I did my first semester at Mesa State College, which is now Colorado. What is it now? Anyway, it's a university now that's been so like Colorado been, State Colorado and Mesa, Mesa or something like Colorado that. Mesa University. Colorado Mesa, yeah, it still has Colorado yeah. in the name. My my niece just graduated. From the nursing school, oh, like okay. like a week ago, like this week. So yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. yeah. So it's a great business school. The town yeah. when I grew up there was probably half the size, and a lot of things were uh, easy to get into. That very few of them were good, but so that's just because that's where I was looking. So anyway, my dad got the transcripts from the from the first semester and invited me with his foot to be closer to uh, my butt in Georgia. So he had. He had been started to fly internationally at that point, and I went to Georgia to a private university called Reinhardt, and then to DeKalb College, which is a junior college. And fast forward to a huge transition in my life in Georgia. I always, I always wanted to be a business owner, Jeff. I, I yeah. should let that be clear, but I, I went through a whole lot of jobs to try and figure out what that would be. One of the places I landed along my journey was at Domino's Pizza of all places, but they had a really cool management and training program. They did. I remember, yeah, yeah. lots of my friends worked there, you know, back in yeah. the day. So, you know, I was fast. I, I, I beat the times and all that stuff. And right, right. Competitive and art and yeah. a lot of yeah, freedom, right? If you're dry, I mean, lots, 
that's when, yeah, it was freedom, but that's when like, if you were late to deliver your pizza, you know, past three minutes, they got it for free. And so it was almost like a license. It was like a game. <laughs> yeah. Give me all those pizzas. I'm yeah. Yeah. So there's some insurance. Across yeah. Yeah. Some insurance person for Domino's is like going, oh my gosh, was that not the worst policy we ever had? Well, I was one of the reasons, right? They changed that whole policy because I had two accidents in two weeks, Jeff. And I'm not surprised. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised the people that didn't actually. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, this was crazy. On the second accident, I'd rented a car, like a Pontiac Grand Am. It was slick. Uh -huh. You know, if I was going to rent a car, it had to be cool. Cost a lot right. to be cool. So I pulled out into an intersection at night, this Lincoln Town car, huge, massive car, just didn't have its lights on. I really didn't see it. And I think this certainly was a God thing and just turned that car into a banana around the driver's seat. Wow. There was no reason I should have walked away from this. Wow. So I literally backed the car back into the, the parking lot, got out the driver's door and hit my knees and said, Lord, I'm yours. So, you know, the, the reason why I was away from the Lord at the time was rewind the tape just a little. Yep. In high school, my folks were having trouble in their second marriage. Yeah. And then when I was a junior in college, they left me alone at home for like three and a half months. So I said, let the party animal live. But they went to YWAM, Youth of the Mission, found Jesus, and it came back and kicked me out. Well, that's a whole nother story. Wow. No. But I, my church was like staying out of church at that point. Yeah. But God had a plan for me, and apparently it came together in two accidents in two weeks. And this job that was going to be a pathway to owning my, my own Right. Business, yeah. Just totally Relax. smashed. So I had to get a ride home, as you can imagine, because my rental car, after right. two in my other car, you know, I got home to my apartment. The dude that lived above me, I was arriving at the same time. And he said, hey, Jim, do you need a job? Now, this was unprompted, okay? And I said, well, as a matter of fact, I just lost my job. He said, well, my wife's pregnant. I need to go. I'm going to start apprenticing tomorrow as a welder. You can have my job show up to this address tomorrow morning. I'm like, what? This is like the same day? Same day, like a couple hours later. And, and wait, and, and just, to, just to set the scene here, you kind of had this little talk with God. Like you, I mean, you know, when you have these traumatic, like I had a car accident like that where I was like, I'm going over the edge, and I'm like, okay, if if you if you let me live, I'll, you know, was it one of those kind of deals? Me, if you save me, I promise to. Yeah, sort of. It was more okay. like, this is the third time I give my life to Christ, but this time it's for real. <laughs> is it is it a little bit like like I've heard a guy talk? He's like, you can have it all, Lord. Now that there's nothing, I mean, it was one of these. Yeah. I mean, well, isn't that the truth? It's in our greatest time of selfishness that we really hit our knees, and so. There I stood on my knees and I said, Lord, you know, I want you to take control of my life. I can't do this on my okay. own. I'm yours. And so. So you did have a little anyway, bit of that transaction. Yes. Now there's no doubt. And then you go it. home and the guy offers you the job. I mean, did you sort of go, did you sort of recognize where that was coming from or how's that? No, no. It wasn't okay. until years later I put all that together. Because, okay. I mean, seriously, Jeff, the next day I went to work and it was a landscape maintenance company. Yeah. Well, that's what I do for a living. Now. Right. And that was, that was 30, geez, 33 years ago. And that wasn't really on the radar. You're not like, well, that's one of the top three things I might do or anything. like. That. Not at all. Okay. But it just so happened that it was fairly easy entry. It was really hard work, but I enjoyed being outdoors. Yeah. I worked for a couple of brothers that were 
that were just hard. One was yeah. ex-military. The other one was just a mechanic and worked for his brother and had kind of a, he, I mean, he laughed a lot, but he had a bit of a bad attitude, but they're good cats. They really were. But man, I had to work hard. I was the, I was their girl Friday. I did it all, man. You do this, you do that, pick up this, take it there. Wah, da, da. Okay. But it taught me a lot really fast. And yeah, you learned the whole business that way. Well, it didn't take me long to realize I could do this on my own. Uh-huh. So on the the brother that owned the business used to be a headhunter and was in the military. And he took a liking to me and started allowing me to borrow some equipment on the weekends. And so I started my first business when I was 20 and it was in the landscape industry and it was in Georgia. So what brought me from Georgia then back to Colorado was the gal that became my first divorce. I hate to put it like that. And I've only had one, Jeff. I, I don't have a trail of them. But it was it was extremely traumatic. But yeah, it was so painful, got, right? Yeah, when I got back to when I got to Colorado with her, we needed a place to go, and so I uh, we needed some income. And she was going to college for uh, physical therapy, and so I went to I went to work at a landscape company, and and in Colorado because I didn't know the area. So did you move for her? Business. Did you move yeah. for her? Well, okay, yes. so. I wanted to live in Colorado and she had opportunities to go to a multi-schools. Ah. And I said, hey, would you apply at the Colorado school? And she said, yes. And that's where we end up. So okay. That, that worked out well. So, But that's I'll pretty fearless on your part. I mean, you leave college, right? Okay. You got a little bit of this landscaping thing. You meet this girl. She wants to go to study a certain thing. You guys, guys kind of decide, oh, let's move back across the country, right? Yeah. I mean- I had already started something. It was getting some good traction and it was like, well, we talked before, Jeff, and you said something about setbacks. So I got to be careful about how many I share. But this particular one was kind of funny. And, you know, when I look back at history, this gal, her cousin lived in Georgia and he was working for another company and he wanted to start a landscape business. And I had gotten this thing off the ground. He's like, hey, I'll pay you for this business when you leave. I said, okay, great. Well, he never paid me. Oh boy. <laughs> so I was hoping to have some launch money. Right. right. Okay. Okay. So you thought you might have a little launch money, take off. This guy will pay you. Got the new life, the new lady, go to the new state. All, all's going to be awesome. Okay. But he doesn't pay you. Okay. So that's one right. step. So I, I started with a landscape company now here in Colorado. I'm still, still in just outside Denver in Littleton, Colorado. And I uh, started working for this, I'd say, medium sized company. And the boss and I had a run-in over me being late. Well, this is before cell phones, okay? I mean, there's... Yeah. Well, I think there might have been a cord on the phone in the car at that point. Yeah. But I couldn't call. I had literally had a flat tire. It was one of those things. I showed up 15 minutes late and he's like, I know there's a... This is 45 days in. I know there was a reason, you know, why I didn't give you that raise at 30 days. And I said, well, I know there's a reason why I'm finding another job. Yeah. <laughs> so I went to the hospitality industry for about five years. And that helped me learn how to work with people. It was really service. Yeah. I I, I worked in many, many different restaurants, but Chart House of Genesee Park was a really good training facility for me and just learning how to nurture people and and deal with high-end clientele. And and that was a real helpful transition when I decided to actually step into landscape again. Well, it's hard work too. Aren't the hours terrible? Oh yeah. They're awful. Yeah. Well, I ended up at a place called La Pico's little breakfast joint that ended, you know, their shifts ended at 
about two o'clock in the afternoon. Okay. So it was perfect in summertime. I was able to go out and grow the business in the afternoon. Ah, you were doing both. Okay. Yeah. So after about two years, I was able to break off of the restaurant business. Okay. I started subcontracting for a company here in Colorado called Todd Maintenance, and they had a, a pretty good snow removal business. And I wanted to learn that. It's nice to learn on somebody else's dime. And I subbed for them for a year, broke away from them because it didn't make any sense to sub. We grew pretty quickly. And about five years later, I ended up buying his business. So that was pretty cool. That was probably one of the bigger transactions I've done in my life. And that happened fairly quickly. So that brought me to Colorado. And that's where I've been ever since doing landscape and landscape and snow maintenance for a commercial HOA, industrial, municipal, school districts. Yeah, more commercial, which is, that, that's different because when I think of it, you know, most of us think of it just for our homes, you know? So that's it. So how big was the business when you bought? I mean, you're not that old. I mean, how old are you when you buy this thing? Oh, geez. I'm, I'm not quite 30 yet. Right. Yeah, so that's a big thing. And then did you have to borrow money to do it or was it an earn out and how many employees? And what, what was the scope of the business? Well, the, well interestingly enough, I, I got it for a song because the guy had gotten himself sideways, let his son take over his business who ran it into the ground. Okay. Didn't have vendors paid, but the, the contracts were still in place. And I bought the business for the equipment and then paying off the vendor debt. Okay. So I paid the business off because we had a couple of blizzards back in. 09. I bought it in, I think it was 05 the transaction happened. Okay. Actually, it was 08. And so anyway, we had a couple of blizzards along the way that almost instantly paid that business off. So I paid it. I paid a total of about 300000 for a business that was doing about that at that time per year. Yeah. But it had the potential to make about half a million a year okay. in net revenue. So I added that to mine. And we've We've kind of oscillated in between that since then, just because of some of the other setbacks that have gone on, namely the divorce that put a hurt on me. When was that? That was in, that was shortly after the blizzard. I thought, well, we had a couple of blizzards. I paid the business off two years after we bought it in 05, because we had a blizzard in 07. And then in 08, 09, we had two back to back that dropped about five feet. And so I bought some real estate actually several pieces of real estate. Anytime the business is, has done well and there was some extra scratch, I tried to buy an asset because you know, I knew that was the only chance. The, the landscape maintenance business, you can make money at it for sure, but it's a low margin business. It's recurring revenue yeah. and there's ways to, to ex excel there. But I grabbed up some real estate at that point and then got cut in more than half at that point, had just started a dealership for, for landscape equipment and service because the the industry here wasn't doing well and I had some good mechanics. And so I thought, well, I can do it if they can do it. And so I ended up getting hung on this business and then we just bought a building for cash after the blizzard money came in. And then of course there's all the taxes. I'm sure you don't know anything about that. But it was it was a it was a hardship for sure. And then of course there was there you know, in a divorce they don't call it an earnout, Jeff. They call it maintenance and you know, an equalizing payment. So, but God was faithful through all that. And, and I got a 10 year pay payoff done in about six years and was back on my feet. But that's a long time when you have momentum and it can really suck the life out of you when that happens. And 
and take what used to be a smile and make it a frown real quick. But God really used it to to grow me closer to himself and and help me understand more of what really life means, which became our our motto and bring life. Cause all that was like was like death to me. Yeah. And at some point I snapped out of it when God told me, look, I am the way and the truth and the life. You know, this is this is how you get where you really want to go. And so you need to be a proponent for that in your business and in your life. And so bring life became my motto and the business's motto. Okay. So so tell me how far off this is and maybe fill in the blanks a little bit for me. But what I'm hearing is, okay, you've you've got this business, it's hard work, you got the contracts in place, you know, you're sort of paying off this business. It's really interesting the cyclicality of it. You know, you talk about the low margin challenge, but then there's also the cyclicality, like a snowstorm yeah. in Colorado is like a boom, you know? Yeah. So it's funny how it's you remember. Famine. Right, exactly. Famine. You remember when the big snowstorms are, right? Because, yeah. okay, so you feast, buy some assets, things are looking pretty good, and then the divorce comes. And obviously that's a huge setback, obviously mentally and financially. Well, at the top of the market. At the top of the market. Exactly. Oh, eight. So, yeah, right. Before you have the big recession. Okay. And then, so, so it seems like we were talking before we started recording, you know, when you have these setbacks, it's, a, it's about how you respond, right? I mean, you can sort of blame God or ignore him or whatever, or you can kind of lean into him. Sounds like your faith got developed through that. Why is that? What, what was the... Was there a person? Did you just show up at a church? Did you just start reading the Bible? Like, how did your? We were definitely we were definitely dug into a local church. Okay, the the ex and I were actually very involved in in a young marriage. We were actually leading a group. Yeah, at the time which is kind of ironic. Ironic, but that's the way things go. I mean, we could we could probably have a whole other podcast. Okay, well. That. We we won't dig too much into that one because we got other well, ground to follow. But but you did. How long did it take you to kind of recover from from that sort of mentally? And there's parts there's parts of what got taken from me during that that needed to be gone forever, Jeff. So the yeah. answer is some of it never came back. Still, um, yeah. But what what the recovery part was getting closer to the Lord and realizing that none of what I think is mine is. Mm. That was the be- that was the beginning of a loss that really was a gain. Yeah, and so sorry about that. If you heard that, but the the loss that was a gain was really gaining Christ and losing something that I thought was everything that that ended up it wasn't nothing, but it was it was something that was there to teach me. I mean, within two years, the Lord had had brought me an angel, and I'm still married to that angel. But I was dug into the local church and was able to stay with that church. And and they mentored me and counseled me. I went through a couple of different divorce recovery groups and learned a lot about identity in Christ and understood better that he is who makes me who I am. I'm his. And if I can identify myself as a child of God, then... That's the foundation from which I I operate in every other facet of my life. And so I think that really was helpful. I think you brought up such a great point. And the word identity just jumps jumps out at me when you said it because, 
you know, I think, you know, this is the generous business owner podcast. We're trying to kind of have our friends on that show, you know, the struggles like you're doing so well and uh, where the answers are in those struggles. And I think, you know, especially those entrepreneurs, you know, we put so much time and effort into the business and it feels like that thing can just suck you into your identity, you know, and I know I struggle with that still about having my identity not be in the business or my effort or whatever, which is nonsense, but, but in Christ, but that's not natural. I think we have to work at that. And I'm also thinking about my friend, Jonathan Lewis, that was on recently and he just started a ministry called Fathers for Fathers, where he lost his, his dad in a scuba diving accident at 15 and dragged him to the beach and ultimately lost him in that, in that situation. And, and so you know, he, he's so transparent about that story of having to figure out eventually, it was a long process for him, but he eventually got to that place where he's like, no, my identity is in the father upstairs that, that can be trusted. And I don't, you know, that, that hole in me from an earthly father, it can be filled, but it, it takes time and healing for that to happen. So, I mean, you know, it sounds like you had the hard work thing, you had, you know, marriage, you had the business, all this sort of thing. And it sounds like you finally got to that place. Am I saying it right? I mean, how would you expand on that? Oh, I think that that most men I know, including myself, find themselves frequently in an identity crisis. And, and I think that there's a cycle that God puts us all through. I'll speak for myself. Where we've got something figured out, but we're in a in a phase, and we're gonna he's gonna keep us in that phase until it's time we learn what he Ooh. means for us to learn, and then we're allowed to move to the next place, right? And so I think that's where a lot of the suffering comes. It's that's talked about, and and I'm I'm a thick head man. No matter how many times I learn, it seems like I've got to learn some things again. But it, I I really take that he loves me that much that he wants to show me so that I can get that figured out before he gives me the opportunity to move on because ultimately it's about glorifying him with whatever we do. So he wants to make sure we get that right. So it wasn't the the business is like a baby, right? Getting back to your point. Yeah. You're you're growing this child. Yeah, it is it's like a child, you're right. Hopefully something that has its own heartbeat that can sustain itself. Right. That's that's the value we're all trying to get right. to. Sometimes I think there's something wrong with me because I got to plug back in. Something needs to be fixed. It's like, can't you guys do this on your own? Right, like, right. Oh, he's put you in this position on purpose to be able to nurture this yeah. child or whatever phase it's in. And that's cyclical too, it seems like. I don't know how long you've been in business, but oh. this is my 31st year, Jeff. And I started young and it seems like I've been in this cycle for a, a while. And it's like, okay, Lord, you want to tear your shirt and go, what is it that I haven't figured out? But in the meantime, we get to use this thing to be able to bless other people. And I think that's what's come out of the lessons that I've learned, no matter what kind of situation I'm in. If I don't have money, for instance, I can bless somebody with the experiences that I've had. So if, if we do have those surges, like we talked about, with yeah. and it's not always that. Sometimes it's just, we just, we just hit off the T-well, right? And our short game's working Right. And, and we hit that long putt and, and it just comes together. I wish that I found the perfect recipe for that, but 
I haven't. But when those things happen, we get to bless ministries. We get to bless people. We get to, I think what's become more consistent over time, Jeff, is, is investing in, yes. in programs that, yeah. that make sense for the people that have gotten the business to, to where it is and the consistency that it does have. Like the workers that come and they do the field work and they, they sweat and bleed for this job. You know, we've, we've started a program. We, we usually bring these people in on this. As you can imagine, Colorado, it's very seasonal. And we have a summer, a spring, summer, fall. But at the end of the spring or at the, at the beginning of the fall, it goes all the way to the beginning of spring. And there's a crossover on both sides that we transition into landscaping. It's, you know, so a couple times a year, we're running two businesses, really. And that transition is difficult. Mm. So we use... We use H2B workers, which is a government program, which is kind of what we were talking about over the cigar that got us yeah, interested yeah. in visiting. And it's like these guys, it's great. It's great uh, for the summertime because we load up and we have like 80 to 100 people. And in the summertime, our need, or in the wintertime, our need shrinks substantially. Mm. But we've wanted to create a business model that allows us to be able to kind of keep that up and to the right all year long yeah we haven't found it yet but part of the issue has been having consistent labor and so along the way i had a friend in the industry that introduced me to a program called the perm program so you take h2b guys recruit them off the h2b program and put and sponsor them into a permanent program which is heavy in administration and takes a couple of years it's about nine thousand dollars per guy wow and and I thought, what an incredible way to build legacy for these families that have helped build a legacy for my family. And so we implemented the PERM program about five years ago. And we have, we're in process with about 25 people, and we've brought about 21 people through that program, which has allowed us to not have to rely as much on the H2B seasonal visa, but we still use it and we recruit off of that. And so it's allowed us to be able to have what our hope is, our dream is, is to get enough guys. Because you imagine when these guys are here going through this process where they're on H2B, they're six months yeah. potentially away from their family. Yeah, it's not healthy. I don't know. I, I mean, they're on the military. They're just no. all trying to make a living and sending all their money back to their people. No. And so we're like, this just doesn't seem right. And so if we can get enough people on this program, which in the next year or two, we'll have that, where we can actually start sending them home on intervals and still keep the business populated with enough full-time year-round people and then supplement with the H2B on it instead of the other way around, which is a blessing. But the good news is once they get through this program, Jeff, which we sponsor and yeah. we've paid for for the first couple of years for these guys. So you can do the math on that. It's It's been a, a really, it's it's expensive, but it's, it's expensive. also been, but it's been fantastic. And the ROI is seeing these guys have some hope. Well, and you have, you retain them better, right? How do you manage the keeping them employed in the winter? You still send them home, but they can come back and forth easier. You know what I mean? Like, well, it's hard when a snowstorm's coming to load up a bus full of people and say, "Hey, come on back for a storm." It's not very. It's cost prohibitive. Still. So, do they stay in country and become citizens, or what's the yeah, advantage what? of the visa? So the PERM program basically allows them to walk through a, a permanent immigrant visa program that allows them to have hold a, at, at first, after the first year, they get a work ID card that allows them to be here. 
but we sponsor them in the meantime. If we hit the right timelines, they can stay. If not, we have to send them home, but we start the process. So when they get back, they can actually stay and overwinter. And we do have enough snow. We can have- So you hope to have enough work for them to be able to stay and work year round, right? Is that that's kind of the goal or at yeah, least- that's, that's the goal. And also we actually sponsor them through this process. It takes a couple of years. And after that process, we have a, a basically a contract with them where we'll pay up front, but then they pay in labor time and they essentially have a work contract for us doing this with them. And the whole thing is expensable as well, right? Yeah. It's a real expense for labor. Do they sometimes so, have know, to get other, do they, some, sorry to interrupt, do they, they sometimes have to get other work at, in winter if you don't have enough for them, but at least you, you're sponsored them so they are able to stay? How does that, it seems really hard for you to pay for that and maybe not have the work. Well, the idea is to have the labor so that we can go out and venture out and get additional work. Get the work. Okay. Get it. Get right. next work. Okay. Cause. Right. So that allows us to grow the business because okay. we have consistent year round full time labor. By treating the people with, by, you know, sort of taking the risk of respect and cool. event. Exactly. And so, so cool. hopefully they love where they're working. And yeah, of course. The people that have done this for them and they'll stick around after their, their work contract is complete. And so far, it's been a real blessing. We've got we've got a couple of stories that we don't have time to go into. Yeah, that haven't worked out well, but but largely what we've had is a great response and people that are receiving that well from their heart, because that is one of our primary ministries for sure. You know, you know what? What I wrote down when you started talking about like how God's going to take us, you know, kind of in that circle until we, we're going to keep retaking the test, Jim, until we get passing grade. <laughs> well, He loves us, bro. <laughs> exactly. And then okay, you get his, it, for our own benefit, like, hey, man, I can't move you to the next grade until you pass this grade. Like, okay. But, but everybody I talk to that knows you talks about how you're in this, you're just a, a great minister to other people. And that's a, that's a gift that I think you've earned the hard way. But uh, what, why do you think that is? What, what is in, in the analogy? I was, I, I literally wrote this down as you were talking. I was like, you know, like they say on the airplane, you know, put your mask on before you help your neighbor. <laughs> you know, it's like you got to do your own work. Like sometimes I think there's a temptation to kind of shortcut our own, you know, work on ourselves to get healthy before we start pivoting. And I think that can also help get us out of it, state, you know, helping others. But it seems like you've kind of done the hard work on yourself where you're now in a healthy enough place to go really focus on helping other people. Would you, you know, I, say, don't, I don't, I don't think that hard work ever stops. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure you, I'm sure you have a quiet time probably daily. I know I, I try. Do. And I, and I, if I don't start the day out right, then I'm not right. And so I've literally, I literally years ago going through some of the, some of the traumatic things mm-hmm. made a deal with myself that I'm going to start looking at, at the reasons why I can be grateful. We don't have time for the story, but it, it was very impactful at one point I was asked in a prayer and meditation session to find something I was so grateful for that it just brought me to joyful tears. Mm. And I couldn't think I couldn't think of anything. Wow. Well, that's that's a terrible condition because that's just not true. It is not so true. I real that's a great point. Yeah. Even in the I pit. realized well, I realized that the enemy had a hold of me. And so God had put on my heart, Jeff, that that he'd never leave me, never forsake me. There's there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end in the end it leads to death. And I'm like, listen, I'm not at the end. 
I, I should just be at the beginning. I've gotten this this place in my life where I have things and I have influence and I have the ability to help people. And here I am, miserable. Come on now. So I just made a I made a pact with myself that every day I'm going to wake up and think of three things from the day before I can be grateful for, hmm. and I write them down. And it's cathartic to go back through that and see how God has been faithful. It's a very simple activity and it doesn't take long. But alongside that, there's there's a proverb a day. It's pretty easy. And 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 that's where wisdom comes from, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and I love that. And it, it's just a simple way to 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 calibrate yourself. But through through the divorce, Jeff, back to that for a second, God ended up helping me realize at that point in my life, I was, okay, I, I'm not trying to tell my ways, but I didn't have all the gray. I, my hairline wasn't as far back. I was pretty vibrant. <clears throat> I was a tiger ready to go out and conquer the world. And that's a recipe for trouble when you've got money and you're hurting. Hmm. And so God, God said, look, you need to stay in and I'll bring you people. He just kept bringing me guys that were hurting in the same way. And I got to minister to them. But during that time frame, I had to, I had to let the Holy Spirit minister to me to be able to give to other people. So that's the mask thing, right? And there's been this long journey of what does it really mean when all things come together in two commands, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your, your strength, right? And then that second thing is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And depending on the translation you read, that's the one I like the most because it it doesn't point at me. It points at how is it that I'm supposed to be looking in the mirror and see what's looking back at me and love that thing? Because it's not a thing. It's a child of God that's looking back. And that identity has got to be correct in order to be able to carry myself out into the world and be a shining light or a city on a hill, right? That We're not going to put a lamp shade on that. We want to shine it bright. So even in my worst days, I can love Jesus and be loved back. And so that health has really been what sustained me through a lot of, lot of tough times. And I think through a lot of attacks, honestly, because I'm doing the right things. And that may seem trite, but that's how the lessons are learned. We're fighting for what's right. We're soldiers for Christ. And, and we got to do that in every arena. And the, the evil one wants to stifle out our light. He wants to make our salt not salty. And, and we've got to fight. We got to fight for that with the armor of God, and we do that every day. It's not like we go to the chest and go, "Okay, I want to put the belt on and helmet on and feet fitting with the gospel and all this stuff on each day." It's it's got to be on constantly because we're constantly under attack. So hopefully, I didn't go too far. No, I think the no, it's right on the money. I think the I don't know, man. It's it, it, it's fascinating. the The image that I'm getting is just this this oxygen mask, right? Like you can't shortcut the process. No. And I think there's a temptation to, you know, you can even mask your own situation. If you don't deal with your own walk, you know, the vertical, you know. That's right. You you get, we got to get the vertical right to get the healing. And then you got to keep maintaining that. Okay. We got to keep maintaining that. Because if we don't maintain that, even if you're doing, you know, good things for other people on the outside, but on the inside, you don't have the, you know, I like what you said about, you know, love others as yourself. So we got to love God first. You know, there's like the, 
famous two commandments, love God, love others. Okay, that's fine. But I like that you pointed out that you have to love others as yourself. That assumes that you've learned to love yourself the way God does. Like, in other words, we got to be healthy with our relationship. It's not, it's not a take care of yourself. It's not a, I got to take care of me because nobody else is going to. Right. That's a, that's a different pro- right. program. I got I to gotta take myself to, to the mercy seat, right? And, but then you and also have to have a healed. true self look at yourself. That's right. That's right. To say, hey, man, I'm messed up, but God loves me. Okay, that purity of love he's got, let me, let me, let me apply that to other people. Let me see the best in them. You got to get the guy in the mirror right. You get, exactly, man. Exactly, before you apply it. And that's, that's the hard work, actually. Yeah, well, you can, you can go and apply it out in the field, if you will. But it's, it doesn't take it. It doesn't make the same impact when you're exactly. okay who God made you to be. And that's really critical. And I think a lot of people, period, whether they're business owners or not, but I think it affects business owners because of the level of influence they get to have. They might be a guy that just is good at something and goes out and, and has the influence, but doesn't know how to take what God gave them and offer that to other people. Well this said, is his man. journey. That's his journey, right? Well, so said. my journey was that I, I just happened to be decent at that and god has gifted me in that arena and i'm maybe not be near as good at actual business as you are but he's using me like like they got the guy they talk about you know that that maybe and i don't mean to take myself down a notch by saying this but i'm not the most intelligent guy but what god's given me he's using for his good yeah and that's the beauty of all of us being you know, fingers and toes and hands and feet in the body of Christ. Yeah, man. Well, you're leading with the limp, like we talked about before we started recording, and uh, that's easy to follow. When, when, when you sort of admit your own mistakes and we're, like we were talking, like, if we're just a couple of beggars telling somebody else where we got a piece of bread, you know, that, that's a lot easier to receive that message than, hey, we got it all figured out. We don't anyway. So, you know, it's just better to lead with the weakness and, 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 and tell them where we got the wisdom from. So, uh, well, listen, this is awesome. Now, you know, uh, obviously you, you, you up and down and you've had a lot of success along the way, and maybe there's somebody along the way kind of behind you on this journey, you know, and maybe they're in the pit a little bit right now, man. Maybe the, maybe the marriage didn't go on so well and they don't even want to admit it to many people out there, or maybe the Business isn't going so well, you know, they need their own version of a snowstorm to get them out of the pit, you know, I don't know, I don't know what's going on, but somebody's driving down the road, listening to this going, man, I'm in the pit that he was talking about. What's a practical tip that that person, as they're driving in their truck down the road right now, what, what can they do tonight or tomorrow morning to just start digging out of that? Well, I think honestly, the most important thing in my journey has been to be able to accept that I'm the guy that Christ gave himself up for. And I don't mean that he's not there for the whole world, but he did that for me too. And I have to accept that. So if I'm able to accept it, then whatever I've done wrong along the way, I'm forgiven for and if I can turn around to that guy in the mirror and say, I'm okay with you. In fact, I'd be your friend. 
I'd, I'd be your friend because you're the kind of guy that learns from his mistakes. And so I forgive you because it's so easy for me to give that forgiveness to other people, but it's not easy for me to give that to me because I hold myself up to a, such a high standard. But expectations, especially with myself, are what set the stage for, for whomever else I get to make contact with. And if I can't take care of me the way I'm willing to take care of somebody else, then there's something really false about that. So that's, I think, the beginning of it. Wow, man. Uh, I wrote down, accept the forgiveness. Right. You know, I think it all begins there. It begins oh, right such there. That's a good point. You know, I don't know why I got this. Maybe I flew, I, I definitely flew too many miles this year, but I got this, <laughs> I got this, I, I've spent way too much time on airplanes, but I got this picture of the, you know, the, the that little thing. I've heard that announcement so many times, you know, that you, you got the oxygen mask, it comes down and it's just like, boop, 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 put it yeah, on. on, put it on, yeah. suck yeah. the oxygen, man. It's available, but don't just, I don't deserve it. Nope, I've done too much. I don't, I don't deserve the oxygen. Right? I mean, seriously, we got, yeah. there's a couple of things. There's a two verses I'd like to share. Okay, one's James 1, the whole first section of the passage that talks about joy and suffering. And if somebody out there has got that figured out, please, you know, reach out. It's hard to go through tough stuff, but the joy is not actually in the pain of suffering the joy is in the lord and so that's how we can ask and seek and knock right but we can't do that like a wave tossed about on the sea we have to actually have faith and it starts with that forgiveness i was talking about and then the second thing i'd like to share is it's it's in all the gospels but we're told to ask and seek right and listen to what's happening at the door of our hearts because jesus is knocking and he can't come in there and heal your heart if you don't open the door. And the opening of the door is receiving that that's for me. Yeah. Right? And I, we can do business all day long, but if your heart's not right, then how are you going to go out and minister to other people? And by the way, I tried to do this too much with my folks and realized it could be overpowering. So we hired the chaplaincy. Oh, yeah. There's several of them out there. We chose marketplace chaplains, but we do messages of good faith. We set up events around being able to share short little messages. And then we press into people to go out and reach out for that because we all need counsel. And so if people aren't out there doing that, they really should because we've had suicide saves. We've had salvations inside the business. We've had lives changed in that way. And there's all kinds of other cool stuff we've done, but I'm sure we don't have time for that today, Jeff. Well, for those watching this on YouTube, you may wonder what, 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 is Jim's background, and he is literally sitting in a barrel turret that he has constructed on the top of his. Okay, you just got to give us thirty seconds on on this thing. Oh yeah, so we always need a quiet place, right? Earlier on in life, when the kids were crazy, we had no quiet place, and I promised also my wife that I'd make her a castle. Well, the castle needed a turret, so we built a turret on the house, and then we made it the inside of a wine barrel, and we soundproofed it. And we made a trap door, if you notice, over here on the floor, over on the buffalo, on the other side of the buffalo yeah. skin. That door opens up so that you can walk down a set of steps. But it's a really quiet room. It's a prayer room. It's a place my wife and I come up and have a glass of wine and talk and catch up. And, and it's been a really special place for us. So if you don't have a prayer room or a 
a closet that you can close the door on and get serious with God, get one. It works. I also, I told you before we started recording, I also find it fitting that you, you're such a good storyteller of and humble about all the time you've spent in the barrel. So my joke is you're still spending <laughs> time in the barrel. So it's just, it's just awesome to hang out with you today. I can't wait to uh, get together again and, and, and share more stories. But thanks so much, Jim, for uh, sharing your story today. Thanks for having me on, Jeff. It was a pleasure, man. Thanks, everybody, for joining this week's Generous Business Owner podcast. Check out our website, generousbusinessowner.sign generous up for the newsletter. Share this with all your friends. And, and thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. Blessings. Thanks for listening to the Generous Business Owner podcast with Jeff Thomas, Alan Barnhart, and Jeff Rutt. Make sure to follow the podcast so you don't miss an episode. You can find the guest contact information in the show notes. Stay tuned for the next episode.